Hello, 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 Hi. hello. Hi. It's been such a long time coming out of Pride Week. Uh, I know. It has. It's I been know. What, like two weeks? Two it weeks? has been two weeks. Yeah. And Pride Week, we did an episode every single day to commemorate Pride. I was tired, y'all. I know. I'm so excited for this episode because we are getting back to our roots, interviewing a writer, producer, director, actor of Joyride, which is in the PBS Short Film Festival. So excited for that. But before we get to Edwin Alexis Gomez, how y'all been doing? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What y'all drinking? You know what? We were sent a package. I do believe we were sent a package from one of our Ooh. That's me grabbing the bottle. We were sent a package package. I've already been um I've had a I had a few glasses. I have three by Wade. Love yeah, so this Wade. is Dwayne Wade's wine, mm-hmm. courtesy of Kitchen Island Tea, aka Thanks Mom. Thanks Mom. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks Mom. Love Kitchen Island Tea. They're yes. a friend of Pride the Podcast. If you friend want to listen, listen to them, mm-hmm. you can listen to Kitchen Island Tea on anywhere you listen to your podcast. Sure yes. And also, you should check out Three by Wade. That's Dwayne Wade's. <laughs> um winery uh-huh. his own wines yeah so mm-hmm. we got a bottle of red a rosé and a bottle of white we on this red right now that's pretty we good are. Mm-hmm. and yeah. we must say um obviously Dwayne Wade is such a trailblazer for everything that he's done especially with mm-hmm. his daughter and like I, I think that whole family is amazing Gabrielle Union has always been that girl so yes. love them and so happy to support them and have them a part of the podcast that's great because I didn't really like him when he was playing for the heat oh <clears throat> we're trying to get him on the podcast no I know but I don't know <laughs> I'll tell them on the podcast too because I the 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 Heat fans are the worst. They're a bunch of baby back. They babies. really are the worst fans. Is that Paul? Is that is that uh, <laughs> yes, Paul? Yes, we're talking about you, Paul. My my Miami, right? Miami. Miami. Look at me knowing some stuff. Okay, sports. I know some stuff. Butch Queen. Yeah. Well, your uncle yes. plays football, doesn't he? Professional he used to. He was in the NFL for years, for like ten years. Started with the 49ers, then went to the Cardinals, the Texans. I think that's it. He retired with the Texans, yeah. But he that's did amazing. it right. He was a punter. He didn't have to do shit. No, but, but he still, he said, oh, give me a million a game. All I have to do is kick. Okay. Word. Okay, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it was great. Speaking of millionaires, mm-hmm. I'm doing well myself. It's been, <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> Who the hell are you talking about? The past, the past two weeks, I went to Texas, the mm-hmm. hot spot the of the coronavirus the only reason i decided to go is because i got tested for the antibodies and i had them mm-hmm. which is very scary but i had no symptoms obviously Thank God. and y'all probably have it too um probably. but probably. then i was like i guess i'm just gonna go to texas because i usually go on a vacation with my family at this point yeah we were um, on vacation this time last year we sure, were, my, we my sure were in playa del carmen last year I was, we were towed up actually they just posted the pictures of alberto at charles's Here. birthday they charles actually just posted Bar- the picture oh, of the, we tur- uh, the turtles we at this point mm-hmm. we're gonna divide into two separate podcasts ashley and adam <laughs> and then Darrell and Brayden. Now moving on. So Yo, we turned to Brayden. Like, <laughs> what's that conversation? Well, I was telling him about the so the turtles when we went to Playa del Carmen, we were able to see the turtles like mating. Or I dating. like turtles. And we'll be right back. <laughs> I can't. No, we saw sea turtles, mm-hmm. the female sea turtles that that wash up or swim up on shore and then do their little female thing. Speaking of, I read an interesting fact. Depending on the heat of the incubation time determines their sex. 
So oh. anything from 72 to 82 will be male, and anything outside of that will be female. Is that just sea turtles or anything that's born in an egg? <sighs> well, it was just about sea turtles, what I was reading. Oh, that's but, interesting. Like a, right, yeah, I was like watching cool. a, it was like, you know, on Facebook when you watch one video and then it just keeps going. Adam has been spending a lot of time watching Facebook. a lot of things. And like unsolved <laughs> mystery is one of them. Oh, oh yeah, I was like oh, I thanks. recently started the new series. Well, I guess it's the new series, but um, it's fun. It's interesting. It's it's you know on Netflix. A, it's on Netflix. It's like a throwback to the original. Um, but it is a it, it is a little triggering because it is about a bunch of murders that are not solved. Yeah, and so it's mm. like. Okay, well, Wait. I guess this is still happening. Do you know what's literally happened this week, last week, and this week? Oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Her story will be an unsolved mystery. You think so? Not Absolutely. Rivera. Well, they said it's. <laughs> so they, they just like... released the coroner's report. Um, Naya Rivera. We're talking about Naya. Naya Rivera. Rivera. Um, who has had a long history for all our listeners that don't know. Um, she has been a working actress and model since she was a child. Um, most people know her as Santana Lopez from uh, Fox's Glee, um, where she played an out and proud Latino les- uh, lesbian, and she she was amazing. She was mm-hmm. amazing. She's she my favorite part of Glee. Yeah. My favorite part. She literally down. turned like a basic <laughs> bullshit side B-roll uh-huh. into like amazing. amazing. Because wasn't she supposed to just be like some She was yeah. just a friend. She was a cheerleader. Or whatever it was. Yeah, she yeah. was like Quinn Fabray's like hood friend. Yeah. And then she got her own I little storyline. Yeah. She killed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then her and my baby Karofsky had a whole storyline. It was sweet. But I was watching him, like how you like, looked at Quinn Fabray's mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was watching his posts. Like I was learning information through his eyes. Yeah. So I think there's something weird there. And I know Darrell and I were talking back and forth in the green room before we started airing. We got, we actually, that room is green. Mm-hmm. And that's where, oh, it is. That's, it is where green. We, that's where we hold our three by Wade in the green room. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Come on, plug. Um, um, there's something weird with it because she posted and maybe I just hasn't haven't been following her on Instagram, but she posted two photos of her son mm-hmm. the day before mm-hmm. they went and rented the boat. It was very sweet post. The day before they went and rented the boat, and then she just all of a sudden goes missing, and the son has nothing to say about it, or at least that they're not releasing that. They released but. it. He just said, oh, she went for a swim and never came back. Well, so they actually, yesterday, the, the sheriff's department finally were like, all right, and like Adams, this word I feel is a little bit weird because, and I understand, like I guess with cases like this, you can't release certain information. But the sheriff's yeah, department was like, they were like, all right, so now we'll finally tell you. The son did tell us that they were caught in the water and it was a little bit rough, and he felt his mom push him back onto the boat, and then when he turned around, she went under, and so she saved his I life. Didn't see that. She did. Is, is, is what happened. And well, it, he was wearing a life jacket too, and she was not. She, she right? was not. She's not. She was I mean, she's not. a cheerio. Why did she need? I was reading. <laughs> Stop. I was reading. I wouldn't have worn one. Well, I was reading some stuff about like muscles and like you can be really muscular and not be able to float. And like the water is like very tricky when it comes to like body types and stuff like that. So even though she was like very physically fit, she couldn't float. And because she was tired of fighting like the currents and getting her son to but safety, I, she yeah. didn't have enough energy to save herself, even but though she's it, like. It takes like three-ish days for a body that has drowned to float above because of rigor morris. Shout mm-hmm. out to Alexis. 
Mm. Alexa, what's her name? Alyssa Edwards. Anyway, Riga Morris. <laughs> oh God. Um, like, to like come into effect, and then it starts floating. Did they not discover her body? Is it Riga Morris or Riga Mortis? I it's, think it's Riga Mortis. Mortis. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Alyssa, it was like Alyssa Edwards. <laughs> yeah, she, she's from Mesquite, Texas. Right. So right. Um, yeah, I think that's where Adam was coming in with the unsolved mystery part because of a story that he had saw on unsolved mysteries, and I think that. For me, I it's it's just a very sad situation, but she died saving the one person she loved more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that the legacy, what what has kind of kept me at peace today, I've looked at it differently. I've been looking online at all the people who've met her, not just from Glee, but all through life. I mean, we have Taj Maori, who she was his first love, and he revealed she took his virginity. And you have uh, the, all the Maoris, you know, and then you have Jaleel White. You have all of these people mm-hmm. who've seen Todd Demi Hall, Lovato. Demi Lovato, all these people she's touched, and they all have the same story. And while the media tries to demonize her years ago they by did. saying she was she beat up her husband and she was, she, crazy. She, she was crazy and she had all this ghetto anger like I saw one article that called her like ghetto and all this stuff every single person now that is coming out have all came out with the same thing and they're like she was she cared about her family she cared about her friends she cared about people who she worked with so she was the heart of she, like she, glee she was the heart of glee I feel like you could just sense that as just a viewer you know yeah. like i feel like she i mean i w- watched glee continue to watch glee because of her like i, I loved yeah. her performances her voice her mm-hmm. essence her voice was when she opened her mouth in the madonna episode it was the first episode she sang in I was floored because back then, like we were saying, that those characters were very side characters. Mm. And it was the same for me. All, yeah. we, all we thought was like, well, we know Matthew Morrison, his history and Hairspray and everything that he's done in his life. And then Leah Michelle, we know Spring Awakening, we know she could sing. So that's all the people we got at first. When they finally let, you know, Heather Morris as Brittany, Naira Vera Santana, Diana Agron, Quinn Fabella, when they let them people finally sing, you were like, wait a minute, there's now other people who can a carry a tune. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's other people who can carry a tune on a show and it's now a full ensemble. And I it's just so it sad. And yeah. the thing that gets me is she is our age. Yeah, and yeah like, she's 33. Like, she's, she's 33. Me and her are the same age. And I like, think I'm like just... a couple months older. Mark Solon passed away who played P- uh, Puck on the show when he was in his 30s and so did uh, Corey Monty. Wait, Adam, yeah. so you and your Unsolved Mysteries with, with her body being identified as her on Corey Monteith's death's anniversary. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a coincidence or... No, it was planned. It was planned. Just based off of like what... Like the Unsolved Mystery I was watching was literally kind of the same thing. Like this guy went to a party, ended up missing. He couldn't be found for a whole month. And then after the month it was up and the police were like, okay, now you now the family can go look for the body. They found him in 30 minutes. Like right by the creek where what? they had already drugged, they had already like emptied. Like you don't think a creek is different than an ocean? Well, it was or a lake. lake, Lake Peru, funneled um, ocean. No, I mean I obviously know. there are, there you know are differences, but it was just it was because like they were yeah how I don't know how you don't find the body, but in thirty minutes the family. Well, wasn't there some racial things you were talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, he was like the only black man at uh, mm. at like they it was this was like in Topeka, Kansas. And so they went to like this house party and you know some in the sticks, and yeah, so he ends up going missing. So it was pretty sure it was like a racially, you know, charged. Do you charged. think that that was like the same case with 
Naya because she's Latina? I don't know about all that. But what I am saying is that the police, it was like, it, in a month, the police didn't find anything, and in 30 minutes, the family did. And so it's like... Yeah. Very, also, yeah, what I thought was suspect. weird... And I so thought it was like, weird is the family went to the lake and, like, yeah. all, like, followed in line and held hands to, like... Mm-hmm. And the glee cast, com- Commemorate her, her life before it was public that it was her. Well, I definitely TMZ think they found her before they told us that they found her. And see, that's why they I did. think they the said police they, well, they found her. Well, they said they found a body and then later said, okay, it's her. But what I think I that they even found it before they said that they Before they announced that they found a body, they found a body. Because I Jamie believe they found the body wait, like two days after this all started mm. and that they held, they sat on this. And Why they, would they do that? Bitch, well, Jane, that's, Jane Lynch, Jane Lynch <laughs> actually, who played Sue Sylvester on, on Glee, she actually, that morning, before you had texted me and said they found a body, she was like, rest in peace, sweet Naya. So like, they had already contacted yeah. certain people and told them what had happened. I think Sunday night. Also, I just I, think it's way too convenient that it was the same day as Corey Monteith's death. So that's why I'm like, I think they had the body and they knew who it was and they, they are just sat on this. Do you think from this. a media standpoint it makes a better story and that's why they did it? Probably. 100%. But, so but, shitty. But the, fa- but the faith in me, but the faith in me uh-huh. who read Kevin McHale's uh, post, he literally said on his post, he was just like, it's no coincidence to us because of faith base that we feel that Corey helped us find Naya. And so if you are out there and you yeah, have a faith base, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. that that's also possible. I think that every death doesn't have to be a conspiracy theory. I, I think that sometimes it could just be, and, you know, the coroner have released a report and they did say it was an accident, you know, and we kind of have to go with that for now. All we can know is that she left a lasting legacy um, and and she'll continue to leave that with her son. Mm-hmm. And before we go to break, what was one of your favorite Naya performances on the Oh, shit. Oh, I can tell you mine right now. Mine right now. I have a couple. I have one, hands down. Oh, I have a couple. Tina Turner, hands down. Oh, okay. Hands Which down. one, though? River Deep, Mountain Yes, High. that hands was the moment where like, I was like, okay. Yeah. Hands down. Hands that down. That was really good. Um, when they did uh, Valerie. Oh, That was God. so good. That was one of my favorites. Um, my, another saying, one. Don't rain on my parade. Don't rain on my parade mm-hmm. and gagged Leah. Good. Gagged <laughs> right. her. And mine is another Tina when she's saying Nutbush City Limits. Yeah. Yes. Bitch came in just I like. I had that in my head uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, she's just. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> eat it, bitch. I had so many from her, but I just thought she was a boss because she went on Glee because you, I, everyone famously knows the story of Ariana Grande and Big Sean being together. And mm-hmm. she said, can we sing a Problem by Ariana and Iggy? And can I perform that? And they were like, yes. And she went out there and she sung that. And then she went on to um, Lip Sync, uh, the Lip Sync show, and she sang another one of Big Sean's songs that he wrote about her called I Don't Fuck With You. Yeah, he wrote, he that, wrote about that about her, her. And she went on that and performed it. So I just thought that that That's just funny. proved how much of a boss she was. She could take something that was an embarrassment to her in the media and said, I'm going to flip this on his head and show y'all how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, before we go to break, everyone raise a glass to Naya. To Naya. Cheers. Rest in power, Rest queen. In power. To the ultimate storyteller. Yep. And to our next storyteller, Edwin Alexis Gomez. We'll be right back with her. Okay. And we are back with writer, actor, producer, director, the quadruple threat himself, Edwin Alexis Gomez. Hello, Edwin. Hi. Hi. It's so great to be here with y'all. Please tell us literally right now, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) 
literally, I am so LA. I am in my car right now. Um, I am in the <laughs> I am in the middle of, you know, with quarantine and social distancing, um, and the premiere of the film. Uh, we're sending the producing team. My producers, Angela Pedraza and Evelyn Angelica Martinez, and I decided we wanted to do something, uh, and we made these thank you packages uh, so that the cast and crew, even though we're away from each other, can still enjoy the same snacks, the same champagne. And it's almost like our premiere party, but it's at a distance for the safety of everyone. You know? Wait, that's so sweet. That's lovely. What, what film? Tell, yeah, tell, tell our listeners. Yes. Tell us all of it. The festival. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So uh, this film has been a labor of love. It is called Joyride, which, it, which follows two teenage Latina sisters who break their grandmother out of her senior living facility for one mm-hmm. last joyride. And currently, it was a selection for the PBS Short Film Festival for 2020. (laughs) I know, it's been so great. And it's also just paired with 24 other amazing short films that are docs and narratives. Um, And I feel so honored to be amongst these powerful films dealing with family, heritage, race, you know, all these things that right now are at the forefront of our country, even when we're yeah. apart. Yeah. That leads me to my question. Um, and I, I uh, saw the film today and I loved it because I was like, representation matters. Yes. And I love to see it. Um, so what or who inspired you uh, to write that script? Yeah. So, so that's such a beautiful question. And, and it comes from, like everything, this kind of painful place. So um, a, lot of, a lot of what led to the impetus of writing Joyride was actually losing my mother. Like she passed mm-hmm. uh, after about a 13 year battle with cancer. And I just wanted to think about, I was really in my head thinking, what do we inherit, right? What do we inherit from the people we love, from our families? And for mm-hmm. me, uh, like Juana in the film is a conglomeration of my mother, Gloria, and my, my grandmother, who's also named Juana, which is why Juana is named Juana. And, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to showcase their, their, their power, their kindness, you know, um, the ways in which they really did raise me with a lot of love. Even as someone queer, you know, I wanted to showcase that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. It was like, because I know a lot of... LGBTQI kids who grow up in the Latin households normally like for me I didn't come out until I was like 21 22 because I just didn't ever feel comfortable (laughs) enough or anything like that so you had like a good like support system Mm -hmm. oh that's great yeah yeah definitely um I came out when I was 15 um wow and uh I was on but I will say I was on the by now gay leader plan because (laughs) (laughs) me too says me too (laughs) because it was like you know saying your bye gives people hope right for your Mm -hmm. future like it Mm -hmm. makes them think because especially when i was 15 it makes people think that oh you could still get married oh you could still have kids it's still a possibility not that it's not a possibility if you're queer or part of the lgbtq community but um it was one of those things that genuinely like 
um, I really wanted to um, just come out and, and literally this happened in French class. So dramatic. I know. <laughs> happened in French class, turned to one of my best friends, said, hey, I'm by. Literally couldn't live a lie any longer. Looked at the clock. 15 minutes had passed and it turned around and I was just like, actually, I'm just gay. I'm gay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so that led to having the courage to come out to my mother who, you know, we had our own journey um, yeah. with being queer and, and, uh, and, you know, I told her, but then the, the thing that surprised me was my father. So my mom talked to my dad and the next day he came to my room, sat on my bed and said, son, I don't care who you love. You're my son, regardless. Oh. You know, I love you. You know, and I, I know that not everybody has that experience, mm -hmm. but but once your family really comes in and lets you know, you know, how much um, they love you, you can confront the whole world, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's your family from? Uh, my family is originally from, um, from uh, Nicaragua. And, right, right. And so, so my, my dad grew up in Tipitapa in about, it's probably about 15 minutes from the capital, Manawa. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then there was also, sorry, I'm gonna have to take that one over. I'm so sorry. Like, okay. I, I um, so my family's actually from Nicaragua. Both of my parents, they had a total novella style love story. Oh, you know, okay. Where they where they ran away together because my grandmother did not like my dad at all. And <laughs> so and so in the 70s, my mom, because uh, my my step grandfather was from Brownsville, Texas. Uh, and she had citizenship through him. Um, she had to move in the 70s to the States and she settled in Los Angeles and she came pregnant with my brother, Alan, and had to leave like my older brother and my dad behind. Um, and so we just, you know, they settled in East LA. Uh, my dad and my uh, older brother, you know, who was like maybe four or five at the um, they settled in East LA and then about two years before I was born, they moved into uh, the San Gabriel Valley, which is about 15 minutes from, from Los Angeles, from downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of where, where we came from. And, and I would always like, when I was young, I always, for some reason in my mind, downtown Los Angeles was Nicaragua because my grandmother still lived there. And <laughs> so I would always get really, really excited to go to Nicaragua, which just meant downtown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know how do you know how the LGBT community is, is accepted or not accepted in Nicaragua like I'm asking if, mm -hmm. because are your parents just like a special gem to accept you being being Nicaraguan is that how you would say it <laughs> Nicaraguan <laughs> Nicaraguan I love it Nicaraguense if you want to try it it would be how you say it in Spanish but Nicaraguan is is perfect. Do My lips with don't me? work that. that <laughs> <Okay. quickly. laughs> we're still, we're still working. <laughs> no, totally. So, actually, I will let you know that until 2008, Nicaragua was one of the only places in the West that still criminalized homosexuality. That's what wow. I thought. So, it, there's a whole journey where there are like Nicaraguan folks who are accepting of their family, who mm -hmm. really do love their family regardless of their sexuality. And then there's a faction of folks 
who have all that internalized homophobia. Um, so in 2008, I got the opportunity to go and interview um, this gay man who lived in, in Manawa. And he let me know that like some folks, it, it comes to a point where, you know, you guys will hook up and someone will murder the other person. And, and I mean, like, this was so hard to listen to in 2008, right? right. Because, um, because that's how deep that internalized homophobia goes. And, and there are, uh, of course, safe havens in community. When you're queer, when you're part of the LGBTQ community, we're always looking for each other. We're always like, yeah. hey, yeah. sis, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> so so I, I know that I'm very lucky in having parents who really supported me and were very open with who I was and, and honored everything that I was. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What a blessing. I know. <laughs> So do you think do you think that your upbringing like inspired Joyride at all in terms of struggles? Maybe not your necessary struggle because it sounded like you had a great coming out experience, um, but maybe like for your culture at all. Yeah, you know, I always I'm okay. So I'm all about the black sheep of the family, but then I realized like a lot of us growing up are the pink sheep of the family, which is a totally another layer, right? <laughs> And so for me, finding out that like, you know, my parents running away together uh, already set them up to be a little bit rebellious and anti-establishment and going against the grain. And I think that it kind of gave me um, some freedom. And the way that that kind of influenced the writing itself is just even in the word. Okay, so there's, there's something that a lot of people forget. And it's that like, yeah, you can learn Spanish in high school or in college, but Spanish is such a, just like a lot of languages, there's so many different dialects. And then the thing is, when you, when you come down to it, the Nicaraguan dialect, instead of saying like, tú, you say vos, a vos te gusta, you know, esta, mm -hmm. you know? So, and then the way that words are said are very different too. And it was very important for me to have Juana speak Nicaraguan, the Nicaraguan dialect. Yeah. Because Blanca Araceli, the actress who plays Juana, you know, she's Mexican, and, and I loved that she really built in this layer that I had written in, and we would always talk about it. Like, be between shots, it'd be like, wait, wait, like this, this is how I would say it, you know? And it's like, so just finding um, those bridges, right? Uh, also, never really having seen a Nicaraguan character myself in film. No. You know, right. It was, was something very critical for me to showcase, and also the fact that um, it's not in the in the film itself that when it's finished, but uh, Marina and Karina, the granddaughters, they're also Mexican and Nicaraguan, right? Married. Wow. So there's this nuance there of, of like, and there's one word like so. There's one word that Karina says that's very Mexican, which is like for me, uh, and also Chicanex. Um, is this idea of the word chingona, like you're a badass, right? Yeah. So the, those things are like very specifically Mexican and then things like Vos are very Nicaraguan. And I wanted to start creating a narrative that kind of reflected the lives that, that I've interfaced with, with my friendships, with my family, because there's this intermixing, you know, between culture itself, even when you're Latinx, 
Mm-hmm. Well, like Adam was saying, uh, the film really resonated with me as well. Um, in 13 minutes, you know, with it being a short, you were able to really tell, I feel, a well-rounded story from start to finish. Did you ever at one point want the story to be longer? Did you want it to be a feature? Do you see it continuing in any type of way? You know, it's it's wonderful that you asked that. And thank you so much. I, you know, we, we as a team really worked on, because uh, we had to cut quite a bit of the yeah. film that was written and filmed down yeah. because we we went so hard that we have all these all these scenes that didn't even make the cut because we were looking at um, developing the feature version which I've already written and I'm in the in the in the midst of rewriting and really developing okay. and so so for me there's there's a whole generation missing right we have the grandmother we have her granddaughters but there's yeah. a whole generation in the middle missing and right. so for me, tackling this idea of the intergenerationality, you know, is critical because it's not just a Latinx thing. Uh, that yeah. is such a human thing to look at the way that what we live plays out over the generations, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that was something that I really leaned into. And it wasn't until someone, actually, it wasn't until um, I was told by someone, hey, there's something here. Uh, I think you're actually writing a feature. That yeah, I, I definitely saw it as that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a taste of the longer form. Um, the one thing that I didn't feel I could do justice in those 13 minutes to was the queerness aspect, which I allude to by talking about gay marriage for like one really quick little moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then res- referencing Rosa Parks and this idea of like social justice movements. Um, for me, this is actually, and, and I can't, I don't want to give away too much about the feature, but queerness is very deeply explored and the way that queerness moves through the generations. Right. I could see that in one of the daughters, honestly, and one of the granddaughters. I could see it, and I was like, "This is." Mm-hmm. I can see where this story could go if it was a feature. I could see it. Okay, good. That makes me so happy. Yeah. And so you're <laughs> yeah. spot on. You're it's spot already on layered now. there. I mean, and that that speaks to you as a storyteller that it's already layered, and it's something that I watched in Milan. I was like, oh, she's gonna have an, a part of queer in her. Like, I, I could, I could tell you. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I think it's gonna be really, really good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to keep exploring um, and to share like the feature too. Like, because this is just the beginning of this ride that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, this ride, yeah. Jordan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I'm in the car right now, and then like, on this ride with the film. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so when watching it, um, it was very, the cinematography was beautiful. It was very, I felt like I was in the car with them. So what was it like shooting like on location and the beautiful scenery? Like it just seemed like very peaceful to shoot. Yeah, definitely. I, I will say that the visual language we employed uh, mm-hmm. was a great collaboration between me and the director of photography, Sylvia Lara, who's very talented and has so much like the breadth of knowledge she has and the way that we can move quickly and pivot, uh, which is important when you're an independent filmmaker because sometimes you don't have a permit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We know. know. (laughs) (laughs) It 
it's sometimes really critical to to hone in on on these moments right and the the scene um, is is the scene that uh they discuss why why they're on this road trip right mm-hmm. and and i think i think like the beautiful thing uh that my producing partners and the team and i kind of saw was we don't cut away like these three women are in this moment and the intimacy like if we were to just cut away and have all these extra setups it would break this moment that was so critical because this journey is about uh, what we're gonna leave behind it's about legacy right it's about making sure that those who are left are gonna be okay are gonna Mm -hmm. live and not have to suffer the things that we have lived and we have mm-hmm. suffered. So, so like the shots really reflect that. And, and, you know, one of my favorite and one of my favorite filmmakers is Pedro Almodovar. And what I love is that it almost feels like the films are out of time. Like you mm-hmm. don't know when they're happening. And so yeah. there, there was, there's this aspect of nostalgia to the film that we really wanted to play on. And that it also carries through the shots themselves like you just referenced you know um there's just something about um using palette and color to also drive forward the themes of the film mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i agree i did i, I love the uh the aesthetic of mm-hmm. it all it was just so beautiful and all the symbolism too mm-hmm. yeah which i mean takes me a great lead in on the symbolism about the ring the the ring in the show mm-hmm. usually a ring symbolizes love right you know for a lot of people mm-hmm. and for the grandmother it definitely was pain for her and she got rid of that why did you choose to have a ring be that for her to have such a symbolism in the movie you know um it's such a good question and 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 it's like it's not only the shape of a ring which is a circle which is yeah. this net, like loop right and it's this idea of also being stuck in a loop right and it's it's also this idea of promise and feeling this this uh attachment to someone through this loop right that we give each other yeah and and when we have all of this obligation to someone even if they're not the right person right we hold on to that like the letting go in that moment is not only her letting go of the pain, but it's also this idea of forgiveness, forgiveness of what someone who now is not in the world did, right? And and I think that was really important to just showcase. It's like literally time travel. It's like, we're going back to that moment and we're saying, I let it go. Right. I'm gonna gonna relinquish this moment and and everything that was lived. And I I am now, because one of my favorite things is like, you know, the canyon is kind of like a canyon is what happens when something very traumatic or painful happens in our lives. Like yeah. it almost feels, always feel as a writer, like I always feel that that pain in my chest, it feels like you could just see right through me, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it feels like there's that emptiness. And, and I think that that's exactly why even the Grand Canyon as the place for this to happen is is bringing all of those themes together and are looping it into this this ring yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and edwin for you to be able to write a grand canyon moment so authentically 
I guess my question is, have you ever experienced that personally? Is that what inspired you to make, you know, this story such a loop, such a circle? Um, I have been in my past, <clears throat> excuse me, in my past relationships um, and thinking about, you know, being a baby queer, right? When you're still learning, when you're still learning everything about the world and how we should be, and in a way you're still emulating heteronormative ways of relating to someone that you love, you sometimes forget that people carry their trauma. And, you know, in my past relationships, I have been with people who haven't been in a healthy place, who have caused harm, who have, um, who have said things that make you feel unworthy, unlovable, who make you feel like you're, they're the only ones who can love you. And if you leave, you know, that's it. It's over. You know, and, and that, I know it's triggering. It's hard for me to even talk about, you know, too, but that's the problem. Right. And that's the solution. We try to bury things we shouldn't bury mm-hmm. instead of us talking about it and and actually being honest, right? So that's one of the layers to why, you know, I had to write that in. On top of also like, you know, aside from being a filmmaker, I spent a lot of time uh, working nonprofit, working in HIV AIDS prevention and working uh, in domestic violence as an advocate, you know? being um, a domestic violence advocate, working at an emergency domestic violence shelter, you know, seeing these men, women, and children, uh, members of the LGBTQ community come in um, in their journey as victims, and then to see them in their journey to become survivors, you know? I wanted to honor their stories, and I wanted people to see, especially right now, with quarantine and with being at home, some people are quarantined with their abusers, yeah. You know, yeah. And I wanted to, you know, have someone know that they can they can choose differently. Mm-hmm. And they can they don't have to uh be abused. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough tough thing to break through. With with quarantine and everything, how has it been with like the, the PBS short film festival? Like how is that um how is it people able to view everything it's it's all digital correct yeah definitely so uh you can go on pbs.org i okay slash film festival slash joyride and that'll get you directly to the film or you can actually on youtube just type in joyride one word and pbs and it pops up it's one of the first videos um but as far as quarantine like this film y'all was made during quarantine like the post-production was insane it was a matter of video calls it was us not being in the same on the same screen being able to color calibrate you know my partner my partner was the sound mixer you know ricardo lucea um our editor and executive producer jr arinaga you know we had so many different video calls uh so many uh documents with notes our colorist, Javier Quiste um, Hernandez, you know, also was so great at, at getting that labor done. But but this was not a normal post-production. <laughs> oh, God, God. 
Would you consider um, showing your project to, you said you work at a lot of nonprofits for um, HIV and AIDS and also for domestic uh, abuse survivors. Would you consider showing the project to them and hoping that it will move them or, you know, help them through what they're going through mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that um, our producing team and I hold really dear is this idea of disseminating messages. And I think film is such a beautiful way of saying, hey, think about these things, think about what, what your journeys are. And so right now we're in the process of networking with domestic violence orgs, right? Uh, I, having worked in one, know how important it is to have stories not only that are dealing with domestic violence, but that are Latinx, right? Yeah. That are also bilingual, right? So that, because this is like domestic violence doesn't discriminate. Domestic mm -hmm. violence happens to everyone across the board. And mm -hmm. so those are kind of the places that we're interfacing. So I love that you mentioned that because that's actually where our team is going um, in regards to um, how we're calibrating the way the movie, um, like keeps its journey past yeah. July July twenty fourth. So so uh, the film is available for viewing online from July thirteenth to July twenty fourth. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Great. Lovely. Awesome. We'll make sure to definitely share that on our social medias and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. We want all of our listeners to check it out because I think what you're doing is so very important. And, you know, just keep on doing that. You know, get the feature out there. Mm -hmm. Keep this story alive because you don't know whose life you're going to save by telling the story. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And I think it's yeah, very thank important. Thank you for saying that. And I just think it's very important uh, for the Latinx community to speak up and be, be heard and be seen during, yes. especially now, mm -hmm. during these revolutionary times. Yeah. Exactly. No, and, and thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Edwin. This has been such a joy ride. No, seriously though, thank you for, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. Y'all, y'all filled my like emotional tank. So thank you guys. Oh, you know, now no, I'm thank you. Doing my thing. I love the y'all because honestly, I can hear a little bit of the Brownsville, Texas we mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all from Texas. Yeah. So, so y'all has been like, I'm like, I feel like I know you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like I know y'all too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Amazing. Love once quarantine is over and we're back in LA, we'll link up. How about that? Yes. And we'll all get brunch. Our favorite yes. meal of the day. <laughs> For real. We'll do it. We'll do yes. it. Well, well I, I look forward to it. And, and I welcome that day. Because I know it's around the corner. I know right now we're going through it. And this has been hard. But yeah. we are in this together. And... We're gonna we're gonna just slay. We're gonna slay with our mask. Everybody better slay with our mask on. Yes. Amen. Right. Amen. We're gonna do it do it safe. Well, thank you, Edwin. This has been such a treat. And um, we're going to tell all of our listeners, obviously, that they can catch yes. Joyride on PBS slash Film Festival slash Joyride. And where Hello. can we find you on social media? Tell everyone, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. On Twitter, you can find me at Edwin Alexis. And then... On IG, you can find me at edwin.mov, like movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, awesome.
Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Be cool. careful out there, Joy Ryan. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk real soon. Edwin, what a sweetie. Oh, a sweetie. A sweetie. <laughs> sweetie pie. No, a he was very kind. Sweetie pie. He was good. Very gracious. And I loved his story of his inspiration. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see, like, Latin folk, you know, speaking up and taking charge and doing the thing. Just like you, my friend. You know, I'm trying. Okay. I, I think it was just so good. Also, like, he, he seems so great in the fact that he re- works for the HIV nonprofits, mm-hmm. also for domestic abuse mm-hmm. survivors. And what he said was really important. Um, we talked about it on the podcast not too long ago. If you are in a domestic abuse situation and you're in quarantine, please reach out. Please find help. Um, people are doing it every day. And there are, I know there are people who might be scared to do so, but you must get out of those situations. Yeah. Yeah, there's all those things I see on Facebook where it's like if you're in a, an abusive situation like DM me asking me about like hair cream oh yeah like I saw that. that one I saw that one oh, too uh, or calling and there's a, a, the famous one I think of the calling and ordering a, a pizza, pizza. Mm-hmm. To, yeah so I've seen a lot like, of those or making a symbol in the camera when you're like zooming with someone since that's like a hot thing right now and then you're like you make a hand symbol I forgot what it is but speaking of that when you were telling me about the whole Britney Spears thing mm-hmm. yeah about like they were like, Britney Spears look like she's in trouble. If you're in trouble, Britney, wear, wear yellow. yellow. And her next video, she said, I just had to wear my favorite in all caps yellow shirt. And so now I found out that her court date is coming because she has a, like her dad is in charge of her life. Like, found out what that means. She cannot post without permission. She cannot get online without permission. If she posts, she must always be on the same wall in the same, and, and an outfit picked out for her. She cannot, what? she has 30% visibility of her children because her father actually like physically abused one of the sons. Like she, like Kevin Federline has pretty 70% custody. She only has 30%, which is, um, people, someone's going to have to be there. It's like uh, supervised. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, how did that happen? Well, when she shaved her head back in the day, her dad got like cut, like he basically got custody of her, and he was like, "Listen, she ain't making smart decisions. She ain't making smart decisions with her money, and like she didn't have a man at the time, so that's the only person that could like take control of her finances and her life. And he just hasn't given that back to her because in his mind, she's still not well. And looking at Britney's Instagram and videos, everyone's been talking about it. Like she doesn't look good. Like it, it looks weird. Like even her dancing, she's like no. control. She burnt their gym down at their house. If you go, yeah, she said it was an you know like it accidentally happened but yeah. I'm just like what is happening what like, is going I don't on? know man but I just know like her body looks great but obviously she's a performer and she's like exercising all the time but like her eyes are empty like and she's got bags and it's just like anytime I look at her Instagram I'm like is she okay oh, she does not look okay oh man I can't deal with another Britney I know. pandemic listen 2020 is on some real evil shit honestly so like i don't even know like what's next like we've lost so many greats kelly preston kelly preston yeah Yeah, that was that was i mean we knew that she had cancer but i didn't realize that it was i guess that severe but do you ever know that it's that severe because it could just happen like in a blink of an eye and it's so sad mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. when uh, Edwin was talking about his mother who battled for 13 years That's I was like crazy oh my goodness I can't imagine like oh the pain and suffering for that long right yeah. I don't know but 
Yeah, it was. Um, I watched Joyride earlier today, mm-hmm, and I too. was like, "Oh, this was really sweet." And like, it was <laughs> when they did um, call the grandma, like, "Oh, you're a chingona," and this and that. I was like, "Oh, I got it. I know that. I know that one. That was fun." <laughs> <laughs> but it was just good to see like queer Latinx, Latinx. Um, representation. Representation. What does right? that mean, Adam, for our listeners? Um, so it's just a gender neutral and um, non-binary alternative to Latino or Latina. Got it. So you can just instead of like oh Latino or Latina, Latinx or Latinx. La- Latinx. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care either way. Like you can call me Latino or, or Latina La- or Latina <laughs> or Latinx. Yeah. If you're yeah. feeling free, you can call him what you want. Right. So it's like kind of whatever. So as a Latinx watching Joyride, what was your, like, what did you get from it? What was, like, your most take-home moment? Um, that, like, family, like, <laughs> like, it the, felt familiar. It was, yeah, it was, like, it was familiar, and it was nice to see, like, when he was talking about how, like, there was a generation missing, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, there mm-hmm. was, I didn't really think about it, but there was, um... And it just made me miss home, you know. Yeah. Mm. But they're in a hot spot, so I don't know. <laughs> Your family in Texas? Yeah. Well, n- not really, because they live so far out in the sticks, but it is just like... Uh, it's interesting, something that Edwin said on the podcast as well. It's like, this is, the mask has became a political movement. And I don't know uh-huh. why it's became so political all of a sudden. I, I mean, it's, it's... Well, we all, we know why. We, well, well, yeah, we know, like, I'm we sick know. of, I'm but sick of talking like, about some it. Some people it's... are really, like, I saw a video the other day, I think Tracy Toms had posted on her Instagram, and this girl was crying. Is she the girl who drove from D.C. to, like, Idaho? Because she was just like, mm-hmm. I can't handle... I, I saw will, that one. Maybe. I just it was just, like, a clip, and she was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe she was like, I was forced to wear a mask today. And she's a nurse. And she was just like, yes, I was forced. And she was acted like someone, like, slapped her or something. Like, she was in distress. And I'm like, yo, it's just... A mess. Well, those people are media grabbers. Those people know that I they're going to yes. become topics of conversations. They know that they're going to become people who hit the news. They know that they're going to be in the, um, the uh, you know, the Fox, CNN. Like, it's it's, it's going to be a thing. So Yeah, like that stupid cop that cried about her stupid McMuffin. I was like, shut what the happened? fuck up. Oh, that she was, went yeah. in and then McDonald's, I guess, either refused to serve her or something had happened and she got on a video and was just like boohooing about how because she's a cop she can't get her egg McMuffin from oh McDonald's blah 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 bloop bloop here's a <sighs> little violin I don't even give a shit about those people because it's life and death at the end of the day what's wrong with just wearing a mask yeah. Right. I just don't get it. And there are breathable, there are breathable <laughs> masks out there. There are alternatives. Yeah. So like, you can't just say, "Oh, I can't breathe." There are alternative breathable masks out there that are very cheap, actually. And like, not for nothing. Like, if we're walking to the store or something, I'll have my mask around my ears, but I'll let it down. Like, if we're outside and we're just walking, like us going to the grocery store, and then I'll put it on when I'm in the when store. But it's just like. Just be smart about it. It's not like anytime you step out of your house, you have to keep a mask on, to like, and you can't take it off. And like, if you can't breathe, like, you have to keep it on. I like, you, if you're outside, you can let it down. You don't know, just be smart about it. Like, if you're within six feet of, 
of somebody, put it on. I was on the it's train the other day. Good. It was just me and this other guy because I had to run downtown for something. And I was on one end and he was on the other end. And when he got on the train, he pulled his mask down and like, it was still over his mouth, but his nose so he could breathe. I was on the other end of the train. I was like, all right, I'm going to pull it down. Like, and then when more people got on the train, as we got closer downtown, I put my mask over my nose. Like, right. It's you just, just use your judgment. Use your I brain. I was at the airport when <laughs> I was there. It was, I mean, yes, it's required at all New York City airports, but everyone was very responsible. Yeah. But I will say when I landed back in New York, I flew an airline and I won't say which airline because I love it. Wow. Um, <laughs> they gave all of us a wow. questionnaire. Mm-hmm. We all filled it out. But then when we landed, they did not ask for that questionnaire back. They did not say where to put it. So it wasn't a question. They could tell basically yeah. said you they shove did, it up your ass. They, they gave y'all busy work. They, they did not gave y'all busy work. They didn't even give me a pen to complete the busy work. <laughs> oh, so they just want to report back and say we got we rid of all these papers. Yeah, huh? And I was like, whoa, I'm supposed to be quarantined for two weeks coming out of the hotspot of Texas. Mm-hmm. But how are they going to know? And you're supposed to right. be placed. Because, well, a, a new thing I saw, something about like, if you fly in from Florida... You have to do something. It's not just Florida; it's like thirteen states. Yeah, you basically have to do something with like a like a, like a Department pre- of Health record. Like you, you have to, pre- to make sure that like I think you go get tested, and then that way they can can keep track of like you have to oh, present your ID and and your phone number and information, and then you have to be on a tracer list once you go get tested, and they have to be able to track that and know like what it is you're doing. Yeah, but they don't want to do that clearly anyway. You know what people should be watching, though, is Edwin's film. Where can we watch it, Adam? Uh, it's called Joyride. You can go to www.pbs.org slash film festival slash joyride. Or he said you could go to YouTube. That's youtube.com. <laughs> In case they don't know. And just search Joyride PBS. And he said it should be one of the first videos that pop up. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah. And it's fun and it's super quick and easy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very story. sweet. And like the cinematography is great. Like it's very mm. aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I can't wait to I see really the well. feature I was just, film. I was just about to say that. He yeah. mentioned that he was writing the feature film. And like I can't wait to see what it's going to be in like a total full length feature film movie. Right. <laughs> also, what people should be doing is going to vote for Pride the Podcast yes. for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. <laughs> now, <laughs> we're gonna, what we're going to need you to do is go to that website. What is it? It is... Tell our people. It's podcastawards.com, right? It is. And uh, once you get there, there's a big link that says click here to sign up. So we'll need you to sign up. I know not a lot of people like to do it. It's just, annoying, but... but Please do it. If you're our friend, sign up or I will never talk to you again. But also, your computer in 2020 should just auto-populate. So if you just go register, it'll auto-populate, you'll click it, and then you'll vote. And then Your phone will also auto-populate. Everything that you have should auto-populate. Are those fireworks? I bet they're fireworks. Mm -hmm. Fireworks have not stopped. Yeah. Anyway, so then you go... uh, So once you (laughs) sign up, it'll create your account, and then it'll uh, bring up another page, and it'll say, like, my nominations. And there are all different types of categories... Pride the series is nominated, or you need to nominate us. So we're we pre-nominated. Get, yeah, too. we're pre-nominated to get onto the ballot. Once we're on the ballot, we'll have another round of um, the blue voting ribbon, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Kitchen Alling Tea yes. is pre-nominated. Pre-nominated in the, pre-nominated in the religion uh, category. Religion, spirit, spirituality, um, the people's choice. The people's choice. And then there's one more. Hold on, let me pull it up. And Pride the series is nominated for the people's choice. 
uh, award and the LGBTQ uh, category. Yeah. yeah, and you can also just write in Joe Biden. Right. Whoa. Or the green, the green choice. No, no do not no, write don't in even the give green them that choice. Option. We don't have time because then we'll end up with the orange choice again. Hello. And nobody <laughs> wants that. Orange nobody. is not a good look. Orange is the worst. Anyway, it was so much fun talking to Edwin. Like, just hearing hearing his, like, story about inspiration, his creation, gives me, like, extra motivation for our season three of Pride the Series, you know? Yes. Whenever we get back into... So if you, you know anybody for next year. that has a lot of money and wants to give it to us, <laughs> be my guest. Slide in my DMs. Uh, guess. You ain't got guess. no tact. Whatever. You we need to get no this money. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. But the real reason and the real thing is, you know, COVID right now for us. You know, all productions is taking different precautions. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles had opened back up. They closed again. A lot of the soap operas are having to close down again. New York hasn't even breathed the word of when they're going to start shooting, um, like, SVU and any of those shows again. So, yeah, I think right, reality shows are going back. Like Reality shows are going so. back, but they are doing, like, a distance thing, and they're only doing, like, shorter scenes with, like, maybe two to maybe three people. Um, everyone has to be tested on set at each time. So, for production costs, that's going to be a lot more money for a lot of productions because because mm-hmm. the production is supposed mm-hmm. to supply those tests. Now, for independent shows, I think it's going to be a little bit different, because I know, like, The Bay, for instance, went back into production, and I think Anacostia as well. And I think that um, those shows are able to to do the, to do get the um, testing that's needed for that, so it's going to yeah. be a lot more going into it. And if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, please email us at pridetheseries at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We want to hear for you, from you. Also, subscribe, listen, tell your friends, wash your ass, do everything. Mm-hmm. Slide in our DMs. <laughs> Slide Def- in my, all the way in my DMs. Definitely wash your ass. Because I'm looking for a, <laughs> quar- a quarantine mask. And if you a bae. A quarantine bae. Yeah, what so happened to the grocery store bae? I haven't seen him. I, think I haven't seen him. him. I think oh, he's too friendly. No. We'll, we'll find out next episode. Right. Oh, but what what happened to the grocery store bae? Yeah, so we'll be able to ask. Unsolved um, mysteries. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Facts, bro. Yeah. It's really good. Y'all should check it out. Be fine. No, I will. We're going to check it out. Until next time, I'm Mr. Braden Bradley. And I'm Ashley Mitchell. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. And I'm D to the O to the Darrell Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> You're a damn fool. Ah, you love you it, though. <laughs> I love it so much. Be kind to one another. Wash your ass. And, hold, and remember, hold your loved ones close. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, tomorrow isn't promising. At the, you you want to be able to love the people that you're close to. And arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Most and fuck importantly. Arrest mm-hmm. those motherfuckers. Arrest mm-hmm. them. Shit. <laughs> Bye. Bye.